0: The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised.
1: The latest trends and hottest topics, love and sex, handled honestly and with passion. Here's Dr. Lori, CJAD 800.
2: Tonight on the program, after 10.15, the Vagina Dialogues, uh, Dr. Jacqueline Madar, along with uh, Laura Schaefer, pelvic floor physiotherapist, will help us out. So if you have questions about female sexual health, female reproductive health, they will be able to take your questions after 10.15. But first...
1: Time to check out our inbox. Your calls and texts are always welcome. Connect with Passion now at 514-790-0800. Or 514-800. Of
2: course, you can always email me anytime at uh, laurie at com. All right, let me get to some questions that were left over here from the last couple of nights. Is it safe to use an electric shaver? but not a close shave or too close to the bits my pubic hair gets so long like a bush and the hair then covers that area I find it disgusting if on period the humidity and bacteria that that is there between showers if there is long pubic hair in that area so you don't have to use an electric shaver or a close shave. A lot of women choose to trim. Of course, you're using scissors. So be careful about your protruding bits at the very least. And you can, you can give yourself a haircut. So, and you can actually trim your hairs pretty close uh to practically uh like super, super short. So that would be I think the best option, especially if you don't want to get any ingrown hairs or um, take a chance of nicking yourself, which could put you at risk of infection and things like that. Um, lately, my <clears throat> anxiety depression is off the charts. I need to do something about it before I do something to myself. Do I get a referral from my family doctor? Can they diagnose me or will they send me to someone? Can this negatively affect me if I tell my employer or am I protected? We are not unionized. So when you're experiencing anxiety and depression and you're having a hard time coping, yes, please see your GP or go to a walk-in clinic. Um, you can get a referral for a therapist. Um, <clears throat> they can assess your need for medication, Sometimes when it's off the charts, you need either anti-anxiety or antidepressants in order to just allow you to breathe, like allow you to feel like you can, uh, can see like Get it's almost like dre- you feel like you're treading water and you're in survival mode. Medications kind of help you give you a, a like a flotation device so you can um, at least figure out where what you need to do, where you need to go and get to the issues at the core of that. So um, it's important that you see your doctor uh, as soon as possible, at least to discuss medication. You can look for a therapist. Uh, it's pretty easy to find a uh, private therapist. I can give you referrals or you uh, can check on the order of psychologists, for example, look at those who deal with anxiety and depression. You have the Montreal Center for Anxiety and Depression as well that helps specifically, uh, that specialize really specifically with this. There are, uh, or whatever therapist you're looking for, make sure that they um, they practice uh, cognitive behavioral therapy or some form of uh, of therapy that's specific for anxiety and depression. CBT tends to work the best. In fact, studies have shown that CBT along with uh, medication is the most effective um, plan of action. As for telling your employer, I don't think you need to share with your employer unless it is affecting your work or you need to take sick days. But even then, you're entitled to sick days and you're entitled to privacy, um and even if you have insurance it's still uh confidential you the it's between you and the your insurer it uh, generally doesn't go through the company generally so um if you're concerned about that you can speak to human resources but generally speaking it's not something you absolutely have to tell your employer and it and between you and your doctor between you and your therapist it is Uh, absolutely, uh, Confidential, But bear in mind also that if you use private health insurance, because this has happened uh, to me where, um, you know, you submit the receipt you get from the therapist to the insurance company so they can reimburse you, sometimes the insurance company will contact the therapist to verify that you have been there. So it there is kind of a breach, a, a type of breach of confidentiality. For me, it means that I have to... I have to divulge that I have seen you, so you need to agree ahead of time that uh, that 's okay, but they get no other information. Insurance companies are not allowed to ask uh, diagnoses or anything unless you're on some kind of long term disability, and then they may require more information or doctor or letters from your doctor, etc. so I hope that uh, answers that question. Uh, hi, Laurie. Upon browsing through the dating lines, I recently discovered some disturbing news regarding a friend. To my surprise, I came across his ad searching for a relationship, even though he's married. But more disturbing is the fact that he stoops so low as to lie about a disability he cre- clearly does not suffer from in order to appeal to women's compassion, I'm assuming. Namely, stating that he is blind. Well, that's a doozy of a lie. Uh, I was so disturbed and disgusted by this discovery that I want nothing to do with him any longer yet feel simultaneously outraged enough to want to confront him about misleading, unsuspecting women. However, I'm not sure if I should even bother or not. Your advice would be appreciated. Gee, that's a biggie. Um, Wow. Somebody who lies to that degree. Uh, I can see if that's somebody who's a friend of yours. Married, lying—I don't know how you. I, I think I'm with you. Like trying to be friends with somebody like that—that that you have lose complete respect for, who shows no integrity—would be very difficult. Uh, if it was me, what would I do? Um, I think I would um say something simply to protect other women from him. But uh, is it your responsibility? Uh, no. Um, are you thinking about confronting or telling his wife that I wouldn't go there? Um, but if you were the wife, you'd want to know that it's a very delicate situation that you're in. And I'm curious to hear what others would, uh, would do with this. This is, uh, quite quite a story and quite bothersome actually uh, let's see I, I, I'm sure I haven't been all that helpful but maybe we can throw that out there and see what others uh, others think about that there's just this is really this is has to go on your own gut feeling as to what you want to do and what you can do you're under no obligation of course um, This one emailed me. Okay, I I do not know how this works, but here goes. I listened to your show on Tuesday. It looks like everyone is having sex except me. I'm a 64-year-old man. I lost my wife 20 years ago, raised my daughters at the present time, alone in the world, would love to have a sexual relationship with a beautiful woman. Uh, the 40 to 60 want younger women, the 60-year-olds, are just looking for someone to take care of them. I'm in good shape for a man my age, but frustrated by dating sites. I joined a few, but all I get... For matches are women over 60 and well, I'm looking for someone who can excite me. I always love beautiful women. Um, My problem, I always go to really young women. I have no physical problems. Values are important to me. I just have a problem with married women who have sex with strangers or young men. What happened to marriage? There's no rules. Anything goes. The first thing I do is look at the ring finger. If she's married, I wish her luck. I don't want to be the third person in a relationship. Well, you're absolutely right about that one. Uh, that goes against your values and that's not where to go, but maybe you need to go on other dating sites where they don't match you or where you pick the people and you go into the age category. But there are plenty of women who are in the, uh, 50 to 60 year old range who are in very good shape, who can be, who are quite beautiful. I know plenty of 50 plus women who are stunning, uh, that, uh, and uh, again, what is the definition of beauty here? It's for each of us. It's different. Um, who are willing to date older guys who uh, are young at heart and such. So keep looking. That's the important thing. Keep looking.
1: Your relationships on the line. Connect with Dr. Lori now, 514 790 0800. Passion. News Talk Radio, CJAD 800.
2: Before I get into the vagina dialogues here, I want to share this text. It says, I'm insulted by your texter's overgeneralization as I'm 54, not the least bit interested in having a man take care of me as I'm quite capable of doing that on my own. <laughs> here, here I, I get you on that one. Uh, he said 60-plus women generally want to be taken care of, which I don't know too many women who at this point want to just be taken care of. So uh, he may just be um, looking at you know, the wrong sites or connecting with the wrong kinds of women. I don't know. Joining us in studio, uh, Dr. Jacqueline Madar. She is an obstetric, uh, uh, obstetrician and gynecologist at the Jewish General Hospital. We've got Laura Schaefer in studio with us, who's a pelvic floor physiotherapist who's on maternity leave. So we are graced with baby Lark in studio, <laughs> fast asleep, sleepy. So if you hear gurgling or a little bit of, you know, then you know what that's all about. It's not my baby. Welcome back, ladies. So excited to have you here. Good to be here. All right. A couple of questions here. Somebody asked, uh, well, it comes back to to pubic hair stuff. So maybe you could talk about this, but wanting to know again, the safest and best permanent hair removal products um, and how efficient lasers are i guess they say found at the pharmacy but i want to talk a little bit about do you see anything you do women ever come in with um consequences of uh, sh- you know having shaved yeah, waxed sure. or whatever like yeah. what are they
0: yeah so most often the complications I see would be from waxing or from shaving like really really close to the skin and what happens is that the hair follicle can get infected and it can cause what's called a folliculitis okay and so if you ever notice shaving if you get like an ingrown hair sometimes that can happen or if it gets infected the hair follicle then it looks like a pus pimple mm-hmm. and then that can get really really big and that's called a furuncle actually which is like a big boil. Eesh. And uh, really? yeah, it can be really painful. A lot of women, some women are just unlucky and they get those kind of complications from waxing and shaving. So in that circumstance, I just recommend to sort of just trim and not go so close right. to the skin. Um, and when they get those sort of uh, infections, really just to put like a polysporin or sort of an antibacterial type topical cream on it and just to soak it with like a warm washcloth.
2: Do you ever have to like now, surgically I, no, do anything No, to no, no, I don't no? touch
0: those. No, no. Okay. Yeah. They usually go to it a just skin goes on it if they need well, to well you i recommend not touching it because sometimes it can leave scarring and a lot mm. of sort of disfiguring on that area okay but i really just recommend soaking and usually typically with the soaking it will sort of just pop on its own mm-hmm. or I, I suppose you could see a dermatologist but i usually don't touch that okay that, those things so you know yeah.
2: and you don't recommend women pop those on their own definitely not okay
0: no no definitely not that can cause that it's like squeezing infection. pimples exactly you know? you don't yeah, and it squeeze can get
2: that. infected especially down there i suppose There's for sure background down there it's
0: like unfortunately to say like uh in that area you do any kind of surgical procedure on that area healing can be difficult because there's no other part of the body that's sort of tight it's you know the clothes are very tight it's sweaty it's moist there's friction all the time so it never breathes it that's it it's difficult you know unless it's the summer i actually saw a patient this week and i mean needs a person uh a special kind of procedure down there we're going to do it in the summer because you can breathe you can wear a skirt and the healing's a lot easier than you know wearing sort of tight underwear that are chafing or sweaty all the time it's just not an optimal area to heal it's like
2: a, when something needs to scab they always say like, take off the band-aid like if you keep a band-aid on That's something right, all the time exactly. it's not healing it
0: is the best and actually women who have surgery we always remove the 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 bandages off after a day or two because it's not good for the bandage to stay on too long the wound needs to breathe and mm-hmm. be in the
2: So you can imagine. Down there, we don't breathe too much. No, we
0: don't. (laughs) Unless you
2: belong to a nudist colony and then all is good. (laughs) Uh, This is interesting. I heard about a story where a woman showed up at the emergency with a light bulb stuck up in her vagina. Have you ever experienced anything where you looked yeah. at is like oh my god what is stuck? like
0: yeah I mean uh, I haven't had personally a light bulb but I've heard of stories of objects getting stuck inside for sure what I mean a- I've heard doorknobs a can of shaving cream uh- oh my knobs. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> doorknobs yeah yeah
2: yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> you make it sound like you see this all the time. No, door knobs this again, this is a colleague of again. mine. I, I well, see you must person. hear all those stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are the common things that get stuck in a vagina and how does that happen?
0: So condoms, actually, I had one case uh, myself when I was a resident where a condom got stuck inside and I had to take it out. Um But I mean, is it common? I would say definitely no, it's not, not something that you you see every day. Um The things, when we do see things stuck inside, it's usually like the weird and wonderful things that you wouldn't think of. (laughs) (laughs) What
2: about tampons? Forgotten tampons? Uh, What is that? Can that mm, cause anything?
0: Yeah, for sure. That definitely can cause an infection. So often women will present with like a really bad odor, sort of pussy discharge coming from the area. Like it really smells bad. And lo and behold, you find a tampon and it just, it's, I mean, it's infected. So we usually put those women on antibiotics.
2: So we used to hear a lot when I was younger about toxic shock syndrome. Yes. So can you explain that? And is that something that we should worry about?
0: So toxic shock syndrome is real. We don't see it very often because it is a rare uh, syndrome, but it can happen uh, when you get infected. It's actually not the bacteria can be caused by a bacteria called streptococcus Mm -hmm. and it's actually not not the bacteria that causes it, but the bacteria um, produces a toxin and it's that toxin that is dangerous. So this bacteria actually streptococcus can live on your skin. Right. And most people don't get infections from it. Um, but but that's the kind same of... thing
2: that can cause like flesh eating disease. No, exactly. Okay. Yeah.
0: But that's a different kind. There's multiple Mo- okay. kinds of streptococcus, mm-hmm. but yes, it can cause uh, what's called flesh eating mm-hmm. disease. And so you can get toxic shock syndrome when the conditions are perfect for the bacteria to create the toxin and the perfect environment is somewhere where there's very little oxygen it's super moist it's warm and that's sort of like a vagina that has a tampon in it for mm-hmm. like more than eight hours right so that's why we say you should never keep a tampon in for more than eight hours because then you get into those conditions that environment where it can be dangerous for toxic mm-hmm. toxic uh, excuse me toxic shock, toxic shock syndrome mm-hmm. um and then i think you asked me what is it did, what yeah, is, what well, does it cause? So mm-hmm. it can cause a fe a very very high fever, rash. You feel unwell, nausea, vomiting, and it's sort of an emergency. You have to get to the hospital right away because okay. it can it can uh, escalate pretty but quickly, it's rare. and people can get very sick. Yeah, it's rare. But it's rare. Yeah, okay, I so. saw it maybe a handful of times in in my five years of training, and since I've been working it's on my own, quite and a bit time. still. Yeah, it's still quite a bit, but mm-hmm. a really a handful of times in five years.
2: Yeah. yeah, I imagine, Laura, you don't see no. those kinds of things. No, not at all. <laughs> I'm surprised you've seen that many, though.
0: Yeah, maybe, yeah. I would say maybe two cases, honestly,
2: that's oh. it. The yeah. Vagina Dialogs tonight, Dr. Jacqueline Madar, Obstetrics and Gynecology at uh, Jewish General Hospital. Laura Schaefer, who's a pelvic floor physiotherapist. She's now on maternity leave, but uh, usually she's found at Capino Physio and Wellness Center. Uh, all right, here's another question. I get really bad back pain when I'm on my menstrual cycle. It is especially bad on the 1st and on the, this Thursday, the Thursday sometimes to the point that I can't walk it is the only thing that has ever bothered me not my stomach or my head or anything else can you recommend anything in particular to help us so I don't know if they mean help us with the sexuality but what do you do first of all how common is bad back pain during menstrual Period. So typically women
0: will feel pain more towards the front, but back pain is certainly possible. I would imagine, especially if the uterus is flipped backwards. Oh. A lot of women get back pain with their periods and back no, go, pain. Back up, back up. Yeah. Back up.
2: Mm-hmm. The uterus is flipped backwards. Like what does a that retroverted mean? uterus. So okay.
0: typically like 80% of women, the uterus is uh, facing sort of flipped over itself towards the front. Okay. So I wish I had a picture that I could show you, but typically the uterus points towards your belly button. And like in 10, 20% of women, instead of pointing towards your belly button, it's pointing backwards, like towards your bum.
2: Okay. Laura, how do
0: you, structurally, do you see that? Mm-hmm.
2: You can feel that when you're. Well, I don't typically, when I'm
1: doing like examinations, I'm not. You don't go that deep No, I'm to not feel usually, it? unless okay. there's an indication that I need to work around like the, um, the cervical, like the opening and stuff, but mm-hmm. no, I'm not usually examining. Can
2: you feel that on the outside? Can you feel a a retroverted? So I
0: can feel that when I do like an internal exam. Internal. Yeah. 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 Okay. And so, so that could be a reason why, um, some women it is possible just to feel pain from your uterus into your back because the nerves that where you feel sensation in your uterus. They go to your stomach and they also go to your back. So it's possible okay. that you can feel the pain just referred from your uterus to your back. And really, what can um, you do with that? And I was just going to say another reason to have really bad back pain with periods is if you have something called endometriosis. Ah. So that also very, very bad back pain could be associated with that. So if you have a you know pain to the point where you can't walk, it might be worthwhile getting it checked out. Absolutely. Um, but what to do? So we always sort of recommend sort of a stepwise approach to it. So first start off with something like, like a heating pad, which can be very helpful. Um, heating pad doesn't work. You can try something like Advil or Naproxen, which is an anti-inflammatory. If that doesn't work, uh, the next step would be something like a birth control pill, which really helps with uh, heavy crampy peri- uh, heavy periods, but also crampy periods. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, sort of, the list goes on. But really, the three main things would be, I would say, heating pad, acupuncture can also help with the mm-hmm. uh, with uh, pain, but heating pad, uh, something like an Advil or Naproxen, or the birth control pill.
2: Okay, and yeah. uh, and if- of course, have it checked out. Like, yeah, make sure yeah, you, you yeah. rule Especially out the like, endometriosis. I,
0: when, I ha- when I'm seeing a woman who has period pain to the point where it prevents her from going to work, going to school, yeah. she's in bed, can't move... That, to me, is like a red flag.
2: Right, absolutely. This is the Vagina Dialogues. uh, Tonight, coming up, we'll answer questions about the G-Spot. Where is it located, somebody wants to know, with uh, Dr. Jacqueline Madar and Laura Schaefer in studio. So get your questions in at 514-800. You can always call in and speak to our professionals here at 514-790-0800. It's all about female sexual and reproductive health tonight. First, let's check in with our CJD 800 Newsroom. The following program
0: contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised.
1: From the pleasure to the pain and everything in between. Passion with Dr. Lori. News Talk Radio. CJAD 800.
2: You only hear that song once a month. That's the only time you'll hear it and that's when we have the vagina dialogues here. It's our theme song. Uh, Dr. Jacqueline Madar is here. She's uh, an OBGYN at the Jewish General Hospital. We have Laura Schaefer who's a pelvic floor physiotherapist so uh, it's a great combination when we have both these uh, professionals uh, on because like both help in in different ways and uh, Laura, maybe you'll get it, you know, somebody will get a chance to, to ask and talk a little bit more about pelvic floor Mm -hmm. physiotherapy. I think it's something that bears repetition simply because a lot of people don't know about it and they don't know it exists and they don't know how helpful it can be for vaginal problems, especially vaginal pain. Uh, Unfortunately, you're on maternity leave right now, but that doesn't mean you can't talk about the profession because there are other uh, pelvic floor, thankfully, Mm -hmm. many more now in this city, whereas 10, 15 years ago, there were, a handful. So now it's uh, at least much more available uh, to people. All right. I've got a question here uh, for us. Is it possible that some women have G-spots further into the vagina and are vaginas different lengths? I don't get it because I'm short, yet only one man has found my G-spot and he had a longer than average penis. Is it normal to have a sore vagina after sex and get a bit of bleeding? So we've got multiple questions here. The G-spot question.
0: So really, I must say you're the expert on the (laughs) G-spot because, you know, in uh, all of medical school and all of residency that I did in, you know, female health, we don't learn about that at all. You don't so learn about sex way, at all. Like, you learn about, you know, there's a guideline, female sexual desire, you have to do a 20-page guideline, and it's dry. And, and that's you it. Know, and uh, no one, honestly, unless you take a personal interest in it, or, you know, you um, find a mentor, you know, somebody that you work with that uh, has a special interest in that, then you really don't learn much about it at all. And it's really bad. Yeah. And I really only learned about, I had an interest in sexual pain and pelvic pain. And I really, really only learned about that when I decided to go to different parts of the country and learn about it and do my fellowship or my specialization in
2: that. So there are actually very few who specialize in in sexual disorders? Same That's with correct. same with urologists. Like That's urologists well, yeah. who specialize. Yeah. Not all urologists deal with uh, all the erectile dysfunctions and performance, and, and be yeah. able to. So yeah. it's crazy that you And you don't I hate get to that. say
0: it but a lot of doctors don't like dealing with pain because sometimes it's hard to explain it and it's difficult to treat and you have to take your time and right. so a lot of doctors just say, "Well, I can't see anything, so it's not there. So go see somebody else." Right. And so and I get it. It's frustrating. So you really have to take an interest in it and really take the time. Right.
2: So let's talk um, about the G spot for a minute. So what's known about the G spot now is that it's basically a cluster a cluster of nerves. So it isn't like a one spot, but it's a general area. So yes, it can be higher, it can be lower. Generally, it's about two inches into the vagina on the outer wall. Uh, Usually more accessible from a finger, actually, uh, doing like a come here motion. That's how you mostly can access it. But now we know so much more about female the internal structure of women, like we know that the clitoris is a much larger structure than we once thought. It has, a, um, it has a shaft. It has legs. It has bulbs. And so we think now that what actually. Women are experiencing when that area is stimulated is the massaging of that bulb that sits behind the wall of the vagina. So some people are even saying it's not even a G spot. It's just that's part of that um, the 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 clitoral structure actually. So uh, now the question about different vagina lengths
0: yeah so for sure women can have uh, different vaginal lengths and I don't think it's got anything to do with your short or tall or anything like this I think it's just uh a all vaginas really can be different, but they also, uh, someone's vagina, like when you're aroused, for example, it can lengthen Yes, also. it does lengthen, right. So, um, and it can also lengthen depending on the position that you're into. So, um, definitely, uh, women can have different vaginal lengths. Right. Mm-hmm. And
2: also it all depends on, uh, you say that, you know, only one man uh, who had a longer than average penis found your g spot, but it could be not your g spot It could be that you uh, it was t- closer to your cervix, and your cervix is also known to have nerve endings that can also cause pleasure for some women can cause discomfort for some women can cause a lot of pleasure so it it 's not necessarily about uh, the g spot but it could it could explain why the one with the longer penis might might have. Uh, that effect. Another question from here, is it normal to have a sore vagina after sex and get a bit of bleeding?
0: So, um, typically I would be a bit concerned if you have, if you're sore after sex. Now, yes, it can be normal if let's say, depending on how long rigorous it was, sex, exactly. How long? so that can all be normal. Uh, but when I see women who come to see me, uh, for sexual pain, uh, typically women describe like they have a bruised vagina and sometimes it can last for several hours up to two days after intercourse. And typically that's because of a pelvic floor dysfunction that maybe Laura can talk about where there's a spasm in the. The pelvic floor muscles that can happen, and when there's a muscle spasm in there, that's when really you can have the pain afterwards, not necessarily during, but the pain really comes after.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so do you want yeah, to absolutely. That? Yeah. That's
0: where a physical therapist can do an assessment and talk about the symptoms that you're having to to figure out when the pain um, is happening and for how long that's lasting and where, because often, yes, it can be related to um, myofascial pain, muscle pain, and this pain that's that's happening. In the Mm. muscles that are spasming and, and, and not letting go after they get really
2: excited during activity. Okay. Not, Um, not letting go. So they go into a kind of a spasm. Yeah. Uh Yeah. Yeah. Which is why it's so important when I hear both of you that to have a thorough evaluation, like you need to assess this kind of stuff when things are happening like this to have a proper diagnosis. Mm Mm-hmm. For all of this, right? Of course, if it's, if it means, you know, you have, you're sore because you've had sex five times that mm-hmm. night, yeah. you're, you should okay, be expected fine. to be yeah. sore. There's that. And the bleeding part, would come with so what? the
0: bleeding could be um, okay. So if it was particularly vigorous, it can you can have a little bit of bleeding. Often bleeding comes from the cervix during intercourse. So on the cervix, in a lot of young women before menopause, um, you can have what's called a an ectropion, and what that is is there are sort of glands on your cervix mm-hmm. that are flipped onto the outside of the cervix, and those glands have blood vessels in them, mm. and so when there's contact, you can have some bleeding. So, so that
2: actually makes sense yeah. with what she's talking about the long. Longer than average penis oh yeah that, might be, hitting, after... yeah, yeah, that yeah. might be hitting very, yeah that might be hitting her service very possible. we'll answer more of your questions on the vagina dialogues here you still have a bit of time 514-800 to text in
1: it's sex out loud and you're welcome to listen in passion on cjad 800 so,
2: couple of minutes left with my panel of the Vagina Dialogues, Dr. Jacqueline Madar. She's a, an obstetrician and gynecologist at the Jewish General Hospital. We have Laura Schaefer, who's a pelvic floor physiotherapist on maternity leave right now, has her fourth baby. How's your pelvic floor, lady? <laughs> it's great. <laughs> the physician, heal thyself. Um, <laughs> uh, otherwise, she is at Capino Physio Wellness Center. We'll be back soon, though, right? By spring, thankfully. All right, uh, we've got more questions. Um, Hi, seems like I have a stubborn yeast infection. My doctor said might be hormonal or stress-related. She prescribed the one-day yeast infection pill to take one week before my period. How does this work? Will it ever go away? And lately, period has been irregular, was always regular before. I'm scared to have sex because I don't want to infect hubby and sometimes uncomfortable down there. Help, I want it to go away so I can go back to normal.
0: Okay, so those are multiple things. The first thing was the yeast infection. I have
2: a stubborn yeast infection.
0: Okay, so yeah, for sure. Some women because the environment in the vagina can change, especially when you get your period. Okay. So yes, your doctor's right, I agree with the hormonal changes. Also, when you get your period, it's very moist in the vagina, like it gets very warm. It's and it's an environment really where bacteria can grow when you get your period. Well, bacteria and yeast. So I think definitely, uh, your doctor did the right thing if it seems to be associated with your period to prescribe you, uh, the pill before you get your period. Okay. Will it always be like that? I have no idea. The environment, so inside your vagina, bacteria and yeast can live there. And so these things, this sort of environment can change over time. It can change also with hormones. So things might be different, for example, after menopause. Right. Um, so, or like as you move on into different stages of your life.
2: Now she gets the stubborn yeast infections. I'm wondering if... Her husband is also getting treated because it could also happen that they that they keep passing it back and forth.
0: That is possible. Yeah.
2: So when when I would
0: use the treatment, I would I would not have sex with her husband for a good week um, because typically men. But the thing is, men typically. Don't get yeast. Well, it, I would say only treat your husband if he has symptoms because typically when I treat a woman with a yeast infection, I'll say just don't have sex with your husband for a week because if it gets on him, then it can go back in her, but he won't get infected with it necessarily. Mm-hmm. Like Although there are circumcised
2: other- men that can have yeast infections, uncircumcised men, I, I should say
0: yes you can right. but just because a woman has one doesn't mean she's going to give it to her husband right i would just say don't have intercourse because if they have it and then it goes in him and then back in her and right. whatever i would just avoid it right and i would stop for a week but it's um for men to have that's when i treat a woman with a yeast infection i don't have to treat the man because he won't necessarily get an infection like it's not um
2: but he could he could have the yeast. Know, you'd have to ask yeah, a urologist. The- but as far as I know I'm that he, I know like- that men can get, and that it's often not symptomatic in men. Some men have symptoms, and others don't. But we often forget that we need to sometimes treat. The men too, especially in, if it's recurrent.
0: And I've never had a problem with treating a woman with a yeast infection of her husband getting an infection. And I've not seen that in, in sort of any of my training with like, you must treat the partner. Right. Not, not you must, case. but s- sometimes
2: um, it's a it is a possibility to pass it on. From what I know, anyway, we've talked about that. I remember when we did our our penis talks here. We would have I, again. That. I'm yeah. not
0: a penis doctor. So. <laughs> That's right. You're a vagina doctor. I just Let's follow, stick with that. I follow my guidelines, <laughs> and typically we don't have to treat the husband. But so what? <laughs>
2: Um, lately period has been irregular. So, and it was, it was regular before what can suddenly cause an irregular period. So,
0: uh, for me to get through all that would probably take the whole hour, but, um, I would say typically the main things causing irregular periods would be sort of extremes of age. So for example, women, when they first get their period can be irregular, same way, getting towards menopause can also cause irregular periods because you're not consistently ovulating every month so that's definitely one thing and that can happen
2: at starting at around
0: what age it's for all women it's different sometimes in the 40s sometimes late 30s sometimes more you know mid 40s to 50s okay so all women are different so chances are that's really one of the most common causes is really around the menopause Um, other reasons new medications weight changes stress can definitely cause that thyroid problems uh, new disease Like it goes on and on and on. Like it can be many different things. things. Yeah. So you need a good assessment.
2: All right. Yeah. Uh, Here's an interesting question. I'm not sure if you'll be able to answer this one. Is it true that black women have... A bigger vagina, as compared to white women, in order to accommodate well endowed black okay, men. Okay, do you
0: remember we had a similar oh comment a few months ago? Do you remember? I don't remember that, was, but I can oh answer. I can
2: answer the black men thing because I did read a study that um, looked at that, and what they said is black men appear to be bigger because their testicles fall lower than, uh, than white men. This is what I, this is the study that was looked at. Ra- so it's, it, it's an illusion rather than, uh, and I don't know if they fall lower or are higher. I, I forget which one. I'll have to look that up again, well, but it was one you know? of those things. Um, but uh, because many, listen, many studies have been done looking at this question because everybody wants to know, right? By, um, uh, by ethnicity, by this, by everyone wants to be the biggest, right? <laughs> It's like, of course, my race is the biggest. Um, But uh, as it turns out, not so, there actually aren't these. uh, differences race differences cultural differences or anything in in size from from you just
0: broke down a myth right yeah right now yeah i'm gonna
2: dig that up For all actually. these people listening i'm gonna have to dig that up <laughs> i'm gonna dig a dig up that research because somebody's gonna call me on it but i'm gonna find it so uh, what about the size of their vaginas
0: okay okay so that i really am unaware of like <laughs> no. not, so you have
2: not seen I'm differences unaware. between no, your black patients
0: unaware. in fact i mean I don't know about the vagina specifically, but a lot of black women, I mean, we know about the pelvis, we deliver babies. So we're always assessing the pelvis, is it big enough for a baby? And uh, a lot of black women actually have a type of pelvis where it's very sort of straight and narrow. And so uh, we're always aware of that when we see sort of African women or black women in labor or um, are beware of a narrow pelvis. That maybe maybe the right. baby can't fit. I don't know so if that, that relates whole thing, to the vagina. Right, but. right.
2: <laughs> and you haven't seen any no, major not differences. At all. No. Okay. <laughs> there you go. We answered <laughs> that question. On that note. Um and other questions I'll answer tomorrow evening at the beginning of the show that uh, haven't been answered just yet. Thank you so much uh, Dr. Jacqueline Madar and Laura Schaefer. So appreciate uh, your time here with us. Thank you to all of you for sending in your questions. Thanks to Dave Simon our technical producer. You can connect with me on uh, social media at Dr. Lori Batito or my website, the drlori.com. Coming up next on CJAD, the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening and remember to live your life with passion.